Welcome to another edition of Tied Together. I'm your host, Katrina Logie, for today's show. And today we're going to be talking about innovation in the wellness space with James Henson, who is Chief Product Technology Officer at TickTrack, a global health and wellness platform. Welcome to the show, James. Hi, Katrina. Nice to be here. So tell us, first of all, you know, your journey into where you are today at TickTrack. Sure. So I've had a fairly long career in, in what we call product, working first on the agency side in the early days of the internet. I was building fairly basic transactional websites when that wasn't a particularly easy thing to do. Then I moved into retail and worked at the online greeting card retailer Moonpig for a number of years. First, I led the technology function then, formed a product function, built the team out, launched some exciting new products like their very first mobile apps. I've been very interested in marketplaces, big and small, the latest being Just Eat, the food delivery app, where I led all of the teams involved in in developing Just Eat's global consumer products. And now, as you say, I'm at TickTrack as the chief product and technology officer TickTrack is a well-being platform whose mission is to help everyday people live healthier lives. Our customers range from large global insurers like Aviva to mid-sized employers in all kinds of sectors. Okay. It's quite interesting that obviously, you know, well-being is such a big subject these days in the wellness space. Why is that so? So digital well-being, as you say, is a, it's an exploding area right now. And as with all explosions, there's quite a lot of noise and fury. It can be quite difficult to see what's what's really going on. I think if you look on the internet, you could quite easily find lists of hundreds of services, maybe a third of which have sprung up in the last two years that are loosely aligned with digital well-being. If you include all of the digital health, which is kind of the super group, that list is is thousands long. So there's loads going on. I think to try and understand the space better. I think it's useful to think of two different axes or dimensions. One is simply B2C versus B2B. Mm-hmm. So you have players like Headspace, Calm, Noom, who at least initially all position themselves as direct to the consumer. And mm-hmm. um, then you have things like Unmind, TickTrack ourselves, Virgin Pulse, and those services are aimed at businesses. I think the other dimension in this broader digital health space is prevention versus treatment. And this is where it gets quite interesting because there's a huge spectrum of activity here, including things like EAPs, employee assistance programs, virtual GPs, digital therapeutics through to e-prescriptions, even incentivization and rewards programs, which is really a whole industry in itself, right? But it's loosely connected as well as more generalist well-being platforms like the one I look after, TickTrack, and literally everything in between. So you've, you've got products like LifeWorks or Perkbox who would likely claim to cover a few of these areas, EAPs, incentives and perks, and general wellness. And Virgin Pulse, who are making strides, you know, seem to recognize that they can't do all of these things well, and we know that at TickTrack too. So it's trying to partner with specialists and somehow add value by advising corporates on which products to use, 
it's kind of a, a hub model, but it kind of indicates to you quite how fragmented and huge the space of, of digital wellness is. And it's quite, it's quite a minefield for employers. And, and that's what we're trying to help with, right? Especially with the new context of COVID. Uh, what we're seeing is employers know they have major challenges caring for their workforces. They see high levels of stress, burnout, absenteeism, presenteeism, but they don't really have a good handle on what they need to do to help. And, and that's really the, the problem that, that TikTok and many others in this space is really trying to address. What everyone in that space is really trying to prove right now is that their product can prevent illness, improve productivity and lead to, to better health outcomes. How do you do that? And you're, are you measuring data? How does it work, TikTok? It, it's much easier <laughs> said than done. But, you know, there, there is a mountain of, of academic research showing the positive benefits of stress-reducing activities, you know, regular exercise and so on. But in a digital product context, we don't necessarily have the full picture or, or full knowledge of the end-user health outcome because the data is often quite rightly protected, right? We, we can engage users in our products, but do we know what the end result is, what the end health outcome? In an insurer context, have they you know, reduced the likelihood that they're going to make a claim? Uh, we, we often don't know that. So we're often focused on simply driving better engagement. That's the challenge I think we'll all be facing into in the coming years, proving that there is genuine ROI in health terms for the end users of digital well-being services and, you know, correlative benefits like employee productivity for the corporate customer. What I'd say at TickTrack is we recognize that there's no real shortcuts here. There's no one-size-fits-all program for better health outcomes. It's absolutely about encouraging employees to take small steps, set small goals, and, and we help sort of foster small behavioral change that lead to healthier lifestyles. So you're focused on the behavior of employees or employers, basically, and also insurers. How, how do you work with them? Well, it's challenging in the sense that it's a kind of business to business to consumer relationship. Uh, obviously, we're trying to engage their policyholders in uh, their own mental and physical well-being. And, and often they're starting from the position of, of perhaps not being that, that engaged or consciously engaged with their own well-being. So we have to work hard at, at understanding what barriers there are to adopting um, the features and, and, and taking up our product. But, but yeah, that's, that's the challenge we have, right? So you're helping them save money? Certainly, you know, the, the proven link uh, in, in terms of the ROI and, you know, reducing claims is hard to draw that connection right now. But that's the expectation. And that's what we work with the insurers on is this preventative work around mental and, and physical well-being and the hope that we can, you know, lead policyholders to a healthier lifestyle that will reduce their claims on the in insurers and improve their health. So in terms of innovation and, and digital well-being, what sort of changes have you seen in the last year and going forward? What do you see sort of what's changed and what's coming, what's new coming in and what, how are we going to progress from there? Yeah, so I think 
innovation will mean quite different things to different players in the space. And I, I should say that there's quite a lot of jargon-infused kind of pseudoscience masquerading as innovation. There's definitely that, a lot of it. So with so many players flooding this space, that's definitely a challenge. But I do think there are some really smart innovations and a new world of possibilities that we're beginning to see unfold. In the physical health world, for the sort of data-hungry customer, you've got new wearables and clever new algorithms telling you more about your performance and health than, than you've ever had before. You've got products like Whoop, who are pushing the boundaries here. Apple Health and Google Fit have obviously opened this world up in terms of democratizing it. At TickTrack, we have a partnership with a company called Pi Health, Personal Activity Intelligence, Pi. And they're doing really interesting things around cardiovascular health. So, so there's plenty of innovation, particularly around the, the physical health world. Frankly, it's, it's a little bit harder in the mental health space where there is a tsunami of new tools and more content than anyone can reasonably consume. But I certainly find it harder to point to genuinely breakthrough innovation. It's a fact that mental health is harder to quantify in, this, in, in the way that perhaps digital products like to do so. The feedback loop has to depend on softer signals from the user, qualitative data, self-reporting. You know, So we, you, you have to really find out from the user how they're feeling and you have to ask them. We, we don't have the benefit of quantitative data that we get from tracking devices as we do in the physical space. But I do feel that digital solutions are best when they blend learning from the research community with strong user experience design. So sort of bringing disciplines together, if you like. And that's certainly what TickTrack aims to do. We partner with UCL Center for Behavioral Change to try and understand how to kind of, I guess, transpose some of the rigor of clinical trials to digital product experimentation. That's certainly an area I'm, I'm really interested in. And then if we look a little bit broader in the broader digital health category, not not this isn't quite the, the wheelhouse of TickTrack, if you like, but, but looking a little bit broader, I think it's fair to say that there are lots of consultants that see a massive opportunity to save public health systems a huge amount of money. Looking at things like remote diagnosis, remote monitoring. Here you have to kind of imagine, say, doctors being able to monitor their patients' vital signs through a COVID infection or similar. So we have the technologies now that can basically report you know, symptoms like breathlessness, oxygen, saturation, body temperature, and so on. And these are things that previously doctors would typically have done in a consultation, but now easily possible through connected technology. And to be honest, they've, they've been possible for some time, but I think COVID has really changed the landscape here. And you've got people who actually really want remote consultation and remote monitoring, or at least at the height of the pand pandemic, they certainly did. So there's a real opportunity here to bring down the cost of healthcare, I think, that, that everyone recognises. Yeah, so it's sort of on demand. Yeah, and just a reduction in the need to have that appointment, that FaceTime with the doctor. If it can be done remotely, it's, it's frankly more efficient. So you're saving time and also prevention of sort of mental health. Or that's what, you know, TickTrack is helping with. Yeah, absolutely. I think further to that, there's kind of a big opportunity to, to innovate in applying kind of the proven methods of digital engagement, maybe in other sectors to well-being and health. So mm -hmm. 
I think digital well-being and broader digital health services can solve a problem that traditional offline health services really struggle to solve. And that's really bringing together a personalized, joined up health journey, if you like, that uses all of the tricks of digital engagement to move users to better behaviors and ultimately better health outcomes. So, so that means things like gamification, cognitive behavioral therapy type components. Mm. If we can, as TickTrack and other services, can create a broad, continuous service kind of using these methods to sustain behavior change, I think it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. There's obviously lots of challenges in doing that, but yeah, loads of opportunity here. Okay. And, and you talked about, you know, collecting data. Uh, sorry, remind me who you're working with in collaboration with. So we, we collaborate with a, a few players. I've, I've mentioned UCL for Behavioral, uh, Center for Behavioral Change and PI. How do you then translate that data into creating tools and technology for wellness? So data is obviously the, the kind of key, the, the power dynamic, if you like, particularly around personalization and, and relevance in the product. So th- there's obviously data privacy is a, is a massive subject. Uh, it's moved a long way forward in the last 10 years with GDPR and so on. So, mm. so we have to take a lot of care when we collect data you know, we've got detailed data privacy policies and data retention policies and all the rest of it. But we also recognize it's it, it's absolutely key to what we do. And we do ask our, our customers to give us quite a lot of data so that we can personalize that product for them, whether that's asking them to sync their tracking devices, which we do, asking them for certain biometric data. We ask them to set targets, check off habits, complete health assessments and so on, all, all online, and um, probably many other things that I can't think of right now. But yeah, we, we do gather a lot of data. We're very careful the way we manage it. But the, the challenge, I think, going forward is, is what we call one of those long words, interoperability, where we are building kind of hub-like applications, maybe with other service providers, where we can make the sum of the parts more powerful by bringing data together and connecting systems together. And I think it's it's a challenge faced across the, the healthcare spectrum. Because of the data having its privacy rules, et cetera. Yeah, you, certainly that in that we, we can't play fast and loose with data quite rightly. There's quite a lot of regulation, particularly in the health space. Health data is even more regulated than, than sort of standard personally identifiable information. And we at TickTrack have to be compliant with uh, all sorts of regulation, including HIPAA, which is a health-specific regulation in the US. So yeah, uh, working out those those problems, but building powerful data-enriched applications is the, the key challenge. Okay. And can you talk a little bit about those applications that you're building? Sure. I, I, I mean, what, what we do at, uh, at TickTrack is fairly generalist in that we're a well-being platform that broadly is trying to nudge our users to healthier lifestyles. We're not focused on high-performing athletes. We're trying to appeal to everyday people. Uh, We set challenges and uh, create action plans for our users. We pair wearable devices, so we do have good data around users' habits and behaviors and so on. 
We uh, use techniques like uh, challenges to get uh, groups of people, uh, teams within corporations to challenge each other and, and use that competitive aspect to encourage uh, the right sort of behaviors. And it is really about uh, getting them to adopt uh, lasting, sustained behavior change for long-term better health outcomes. Okay, great. And um, where do you see the sort of innovation in the in the digital well-being being developed? So we've covered some of that. I think, you know, there, there are many ways of looking at this. I think there's obviously a lot of investment and a lot of new services around the, the kind of digital GP or the virtual GP services like Babylon Health, Health Hero, and so on. Then there's just an array of different kind of content platforms that can give you really high quality uh, classes like Masterclass. You've got the business to consumer kind of mindfulness apps, Headspace and so on, and fitness specialist apps like Strava, Runkeeper and so on. So you get a sense and, and then sort of corporate well-being platforms like TikTrack, like LifeWorks, Virgin Pulse. You can see that there's really quite a spectrum and then loosely connected kind of services like Perkbox and rewards platforms that employers look at in the same kind of space as, I guess, well-being. Mm. So getting rewards for, I don't know, doing so many exercises whilst they're working or, you know, keeping them in balance, keeping them in check. Yeah, I, I don't like to think of it as particularly sort of policing them and it being too sort of mercenary. But certainly, you know, there, there are services out there that reward physical uh, fitness behaviours with actual material cash value prizes, if you like, and, and rewards. And certainly that gamification aspect is a, you know, a powerful one if done, if done right. And where do you see you know, innovation heading in, in the future, in, in the wellness space? Where do you see that it's going to be more developed? I think it's going to be largely about bringing services together um, collaboration collaboration between this wide spectrum of different and somewhat at the moment fragmented uh, services i think what employers are saying to us very much is wow there's so much out there it's quite mind-boggling bewildering you know they're slightly in a, a tick box mode at the moment if if you like where they're they're saying we know we have to do something with well-being we know we have challenges in our workforce but which of these like massively fragmented services this array of services do we really need and it's not kind of clear to them yet and i think we as service providers need to kind of work closer together to provide a more continuous and and a broad collection of services that makes sense in in a single app so that employers don't have to go out to 10 different providers but can can have a sort of uh, an app that brings this stuff all together Mm -hmm. so when you're building the interface you know how do you make it useful and and sort of interactive so the customer understands it so I think, you know, there's a lot been, this is obviously a space I've worked in for, for a, a long time now. And, and, you know, there's been a lot written about how to build kind of habit forming apps. I guess at TickTrack, we follow a lot of the best practice in this area. Some kind of key principles for me are around starting with really understanding the user problem. So we, we use frameworks like jobs to be done 
that help us really define well what that user problem is. Definitely, we do user research. It really does help uh, talk to your users before you start building interfaces. And then in design terms, simplicity is is really a key principle for me. You know, a user needs to instantly know what they're meant to do when they when they land on an app. Uh, you don't want to make them think. And this is where the real value of of good design lives in making a flow that could be quite complicated actually simple. And I guess you know, depending on your application, gamification of some kind is is a pretty well proven way of sustaining interest. But it comes with a bit of a warning because you you can definitely do it badly, and and it can be a bit cheap. And I guess finally, you know, you want to be able to measure engagement and and interactivity, as you call it. And I think we all recognize that you can learn through experimentation. Um, and that's certainly, in my experience, the best way to understand, you know, have we made this a genuinely engaging experience? You can't do that in the design stage. You have to build something and you have to measure how users are engaging with the product and, and iterate from there. And what tools are you using in terms of building this technology? So... Having having worked across kind of retail marketplaces and our well-being, most of the technical challenges that engineering teams face, they're, they're pretty common, actually. And they usually have to do with how do we scale the platform? You know, the tech you use for an MVP, a kind of prototype, is not always fit to scale. So we spend a lot of time thinking about what's, what's really uh, needed to build a robust platform that scales. And I guess the key considerations here are more about architectural patterns than tools themselves you know questions like how and when do we use microservices for example rather than what tools we use at least the last three businesses i've worked at have been 100 percent cloud-based and that determines to some extent the tooling you're going to use so if you're on aws like we are at, at TickTrack, you'll adopt a lot of the tooling available on that cloud pl- platform it makes sense for you to do that i, I don't know whether you are interested or asking really about productivity tools as well, but things come and go in that space. But certain things have become fairly ubiquitous for us, like Jira for managing, you know, engineering tickets and and Slack for comms within the company. Our design team is quite into Figma these days, and I've certainly enjoyed using that for remote whiteboarding sessions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so working as a team and using tools to kind of bring that team together. Yep. What tools do you think could be improved when building the interface? I mean, you know, you're working with these generic tools, but what could be improved? What's missing? I think we're, you know, in terms of building kind of scaled out uh, platforms, you know, we, we obviously build on Apple, iOS, Android and web we're deploying applications on on those channels. I think in all cases now, you know, there's pretty mature tooling around how you scale those applications, how you deploy them, how you provision the hosting infrastructure that you need. And that wouldn't matter whether you were on AWS or Azure, you know, you you've got what you need there. There's there's always room for improvement and and they are still improving those tools, but it's a far cry from the way it was uh, 15, 20 years ago, where many of the sort of DevOps tools that we take for granted today just weren't there. So, um, and, you know, m- managing an on-premise infrastructure was 
a real headache. So that's moved a, a really long way. And I think, you know, a lot of this sort of optimization, if you like, that we do now is really how do we work with teams? How do we set up the processes and get the right people in teams so that they can really efficiently develop software? And, and then the rest is really how do you how do you test that, you know, with real users and optimize it? I think that's those are the key things. I, d- I don't think there are any great gaps anymore in terms of uh, tooling that we wish we had. There's always something there on the market for us. And what are the tools that you couldn't live without when you're developing apps? Well, each channel will have its own kind of environment set up and its own specific tooling, uh, whether they're design frameworks or development frameworks. But you know, in, in a developer's world, GitHub is a tool you simply don't do without. So is Jira. And, uh, you know, in the design world, they're quite dependent on on things like uh, Figma these days. Okay. And also, it's all very much sort of remote working, you know, so a lot of tools have been developed since COVID to, to help teams work remote. Yeah, I mean, our engineering team at TickTrack is mostly based in the Ukraine. Um, mm. And for many years prior to COVID, you know, remote teams have, have been working at TickTrack and many other companies I know as well. So in, in the developer space, remote is is pretty normal now and it's it's pretty established. So there's, there's very little that requires uh, co-location. It can improve communication within the team, certainly. But, you know, we've we've got pretty good tooling for you know, video conferencing and and making sure our meetings are effective, even though the the um, participants are remote. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well, um, no, but I mean, it's also about working collaboratively and from different teams and having those tools to being able to to do that. Yeah. As you described, the whiteboard, you know, sort of creating ideas together. So, where do you see the future of wellness in terms of you know digital and also for TickTrack? I think, I, I mean, I've covered a bit of the future collaboration piece for the digital well-being space in general. I think for, for TickTrack, it's honestly about more reach. You know, I want the TickTrack product to be in the hands of, of millions of end users rather than thousands. It's about more engagement and, and then perhaps trying to really prove that connection, that ROI between you know, using the product and, you know, the longer term, better health outcomes for, for the individual. So that's certainly the goals we'll be setting. And and I think it, as I mentioned before, I think it comes down to better interoperability. You know, what other data can we consume? Can we add to the product to make it a richer experience? Okay. And as you mentioned, yeah, personalizing it for the customer. A hundred percent. Yep. That's the kind of, uh, it's not really the secret source, but it's the fuel behind all engagement is, is you know, we, we need to be hyper relevant um, to each individual user. Okay. And where are you in the market in terms of, you know, like uh, you mentioned Virgin Pulse. I mean, are they one of your competitors? Y- yeah, certainly. They definitely cover some of the ground that, that we cover. It seems they've, they've quite recently announced quite a lot of partnerships with other services in, in the digital well-being space, I guess, loosely. How well integrated those services are is a question. But no, they've certainly got a, a lot of ambition in, in the space too. Good. Okay. Well, look, thank you for um, joining us today. And obviously, you know, we've learned a, a, quite a lot about um, innovation and digital wellness and 
the tools and tricks behind building these uh, customer interfaces. And it's been a, a pleasure talking to you about the product itself and what tools you use to build the product. Thank you for joining us today on Tied Together and look forward to hearing more. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Tied Together. If you have any comments or you have any feedback for us, you can always email us at tiedtogether at cohesis.co.uk.